Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of your day you're in, hopefully it gets you through it, gives you something to look forward to, whether it's getting ready in the morning for work, or lunch, conference period. Doing dishes, vacuuming, cleaning, changing diapers, driving up and down the road. Whether it's for work or ferrying kids from one place to the other. Glad you're here. For those of y'all that continue to come back, I appreciate that. For those of y'all that are students, maybe it gets you through, gives you something to put on in the background while you study, maybe. Not a lot on the homestead. Our dogs have managed to scare some of the birds enough in the coop that they are roosting in the trees now, which they haven't done before. So that's quite interesting. And then part of the little flock of guineas roosts in the coop and the rest of them outside and then they feel the need to incessantly talk back and forth to one another. If you haven't been around guineas, when they talk, they're extremely loud and extremely <laughs> annoying. I think perhaps that's one of their defensive mechanisms for predators. Oh, Lord, at any rate. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the time to record this podcast. The people that listen to it, share it. Be with them and their families. God, them, bless them, protect them. Surround us with your angels, Lord. Help us to do your will. Give us patience, perseverance. Forgive us our sins, our failings. Help us to get our priorities in order, both individually and as a nation. Show us what you want us to do each day, Father, and help us to do it. Bring us home to you one day. In your son's name we pray. And God, my words here, Father, please. In your son's name we pray. Amen. The book of James from chapter one, Theodore Roosevelt put his hand on James one verses 22 and 23 as he took the presidential oath of office in 1905. I'm gonna read a couple more. I'm gonna read 21 through 24, but at any rate. Now there or therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, 
goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. <clears throat> that last one was 25. In fact, I'm going to read 26 and 27 to you, too, just because they're pretty good. If anyone among you thinks he is religious but, is not, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So Theodore Roosevelt put his hand on 22 and 23, which is the verses talking about being a doer of the word. And, and that fits today. It's just another example. Not even a little example. I mean, that's a pretty big example to have the leader, the leaders of your nation continually honor the Bible. by putting their hand on it as the ultimate when they're taking the oath of office. It just doesn't make any sense, folks, to look back at our history as a whole and the mountains of evidence that we were born a Christian republic. and pretend we weren't. And then this little bit in James always kind of humbles me because how often do I talk a good game but I don't really do what I'm supposed to. It's not even necessarily that I do what I'm not supposed to, although that's often enough the case. It's that I just simply don't do what I am supposed to. Part of the problem, folks, I think, is that we, well, I know. I know that sounds arrogant, but I know. We don't read the Bible anymore. We don't spend time with it each day. We don't turn to it before we turn to social media, TV, sports whatever else it is that is our particular hobby. So we don't know what it says. So how can, you know, it's like trying to work on a car and you completely ignore the owner's manual. I'm not talking about a mechanic who's done something 10,000 times and they know exactly what they're doing. But somebody that doesn't. You know, and those mechanics... That's a pretty good analogy there, too. Those mechanics that know that they've done it so many times that they know exactly what they're doing and they don't have to turn back to the owner's manual every time. You know, they still turn back to the owner's manual for the really tricky stuff. But the reason they don't have to do that for the simple stuff is because they paid so much attention so many times. They know what they're doing. And they're doing it right because they're, they're doing whatever it is on that vehicle, the way the 
manufacturer, the designer, told him to. A lot of analogies there that fit pretty good with God. James Madison was our fourth president. And we read through this frequently, but I just felt like it was a good opportunity to read it again in November because we read through these Thanksgiving Day proclamations. We've read through Madison's here multiple times. Uh, This is from 1815. No people ought to feel greater obligations to celebrate the goodness of the great disposer of events of the destiny of nations than the people of the United States. And to the same divine author of every good and perfect gift, we are indebted for all those privileges and advantages, religious as well as civil, which are so richly enjoyed in this favor land. So again, you see here, this it's not just the religious stuff that we're supposed to tell God thank you for, but our civil liberties. That was interesting in that James, the verses from James, right? He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. You know, there's a reason that there's so many references to freedom and liberty and and our founders tying God into that. Because you, you have to have God and Jesus Christ in order to really have liberty. You know that Patrick Henry quote that we go back to at times. The only reason that people of other faiths, other backgrounds have been avoided, have been avoided, have been opportuned, given the opportunity for freedom and liberty here in the United States is because we're based on the gospel of Christ. You don't have it anywhere else. You don't see it anywhere else in the world. And you're you're starting not to see it here. Why? Well, because like so many other places around the world, the farther we move away from God, the less liberty, the less freedom we have. You know, there's a there's a great quote. I haven't read it in a while, and I can't remember for the life of me who said it. But they talk about the fact that we're going to be ruled one way or the other, either by our own abilities at self-control or by outside control. We're either going to be ruled by the Bible or the bayonet, by freedom and self-control or by tyranny. We can't have it all, folks. You you can't. We've got to make some choices. We've got to choose whether we're going to continue with freedom and therefore follow God on our own or whether we're going to go our own way and lose freedom. George Washington, just some other kind of cobbled together quotes here and there today, folks. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, 
and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Very first president, duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of God and to obey his will. If it's the duty of all nations, doesn't it make sense that those nations which actually do the will of God are going to function better? It doesn't mean there's not going to be heartache, folks. I'm not even beginning to try and tell you that false line about, well, if you just choose God and Jesus Christ, you'll have all the money and fame and fortune and health in the world. That obviously doesn't work. Look what happened to Christ's followers. Look at the, at the gruesome way in which each of those men was murdered because they refused to reject God and Jesus Christ. And, and realize, folks, that we've lived in a bubble in the United States for a long time. Most of us, uh, our entire lives have been spent in a place where we could read the Bible whenever we wanted, go to church whenever we wanted, talk about God and Jesus Christ whenever we wanted, however we wanted. And we took it for granted. Um, we didn't, we were lukewarm, we were indifferent to it. And now we're starting to see what the price is going to be for that kind of lukewarm attitude. To do, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits. How often do we tell God, thank you for the things in our life? Cars that run, roof over our heads, clean water to drink, food to eat. A warm place to sleep in the winter or for those of us that have AC a cool place to sleep in the summer and then the last part to humbly implore his protection and favor you know if, if we really want to stand strong against our enemies, if we really want our life to function as smoothly as it can here in this world within the will of God, why wouldn't we pray? Again, that, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have heartache. I, I promise. Uh, I can tell you firsthand that's not what it means. It doesn't mean it's just this magic rainbow and unicorns and all these other things but if you if you want a peace that really is hard to explain at times and i'm i'm not the best at grasping it folks but i've glimpsed it once or twice why why wouldn't we pray why wouldn't we turn to god and acknowledge this and, and to humbly come before him and ask for his protection and favor. And first president, again, second president, John Adams. The safety and prosperity of nations ultimately and essentially depend on the protection and the blessing of Almighty God. And the national acknowledgement of this truth is an indispensable duty which the people owe to him. 
I think the best part of this little quote here is the national acknowledgement. This isn't something that we hide in a closet and keep to ourselves. This is something that as a nation we acknowledge that we have a duty that we as a people owe to God. You go back to the, we talked about at the very beginning, those last couple of verses out of James. Do we really care for the widow and the orphan? Are we looking at those around us in need and, and taking care of them and doing what God tells us to? Or are we just going about our daily lives worried only about ourselves? I'm guilty of it, folks. You know? Or through some sense of guilt, right? Do we try and, I, I don't know how I'm trying to say this exactly, folks, but like the opposite, you hear this argument a lot. You talk about widows and the orphans and immediately some people on, on a certain political side would tell you, well, then why aren't you for illegal immigration? You ought to be for illegal immigration. Look at all those poor women and children. But you don't. You don't get to come in and steal stuff from other people and then expect help. We, we have plenty of widows and orphans right here in America before we have, and we have a responsibility to those that are part of the American family to care for. And so, you know, you look at this, folks, we have a responsibility, but are we... Are we enacting it correctly or are we executing it correctly? Thomas Jefferson, uh, in, in multiple places throughout his career, talked about the fact that if we really wanted to be happy and prosperous, we had to acknowledge God. That that was, in his words, the first component right, of a good government. Which is always interesting to me because Jefferson, of course, is the one that they used to create separation of church and state in 1947. And what a debacle that was. The point of all of this, folks, I guess it was kind of cobbled together, but it makes sense is as we go through each day, there's a national pastor that is made this comment a couple times. Are we are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? If you have a widow down the road that you know needs company or help, are we helping them? If there's a family in the community that has just lost uh, a father or mother or both, are we helping care for them? And and it goes deeper, folks, and this is the really, this is one of the divides in the nation today. You can't really care 
for the widow or the orphan, the poor and the needy when you're not following God's word. So, for example, if you've got an orphan and and they all of a sudden decide that they're LGBTQ plus IA equal, whatever it is, you can't really be taking care of them if you go and encourage them along those lines and you're like, yeah, this is a good idea. I know you lost your dad or your mom or both, and I'm going to be here to support you and I'm going to encourage you in this. You're not taking care of the orphan. You're hurting them. You're leading them astray. Just like if you were to walk into, it's the same thing, the illegal immigration argument you can use is just like if you were going to take a kid and walk into a bank and say, hey, I'm going to help you steal this stuff from other people. You're not being loving or kind. And so we, we have to be doers of the word, like Theodore Roosevelt put his hand on, but we have to do it correctly. God bless y'all, your families, your marriages. God bless America.